Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Pulphockey.com. Uh, check it out on iTunes. Subscribe to it. Subscribe to it on Stitcher app on your smartphone. And uh, we thank everybody for uh, listening. Ferraro20 is your code to save at 2UNDER. The number 2, UNDR, the best men's underwear out there. And uh, a lot of NHL players wear 2UNDER. And uh, check it out. Use the code Ferraro20 to save yourself money. And Ridey Board, are you fumbling around with old-school hockey whiteboards? Fret no longer. The solution is here. The PowerPlay whiteboard from Ridey Board is the first portable, restickable hockey whiteboard that sticks to virtually any surface. 15% off if you use the code PULP at RideyBoards.com. Uh, it's really cool. It's got patented foam technology, and uh, I'm sure this guy on the line uses a lot of uh, whiteboards these days in his role as assistant coach for the Minnesota Wild. Former NHL player, over 1,100 games uh, played, uh, 733 points. Andrew Brunette, what's up, Andrew? Thank you for doing this. No problem. How you doing? I'm good, thanks. Well, you owe Ferraro one for for him making you do this. So just tell him that. <laughs> or he owes me one, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's we'll, it, we'll, right? We'll see how it goes. <laughs> the the uh, the Atlanta Thrashers, uh, the the scoring duo of the Atlanta Thrashers back in the day. So, um, one one of the games I went to, I went to a Thrasher game. Uh, you and Ray were playing, and uh, it was my team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. I was in Atlanta for business. I stayed back, Andrew. I swear. There was three thousand people in the in the arena. It was bad. Yeah, I mean, especially if it was later in the year. I think, uh, you know, uh, the first year there was obviously the first, there was excitement in the air to have yep. hockey back in Atlanta, and um, you know, I think it was sold out basically all year. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, and then and then the second year um, in existence, in my last year there, we were real competitive. We were in a kind of playoff spot, fighting for a playoff spot all the way through, mm-hmm. probably early January. And then the wheels fell off a little bit. Uh, we had a couple injuries. Donald that got suspended, uh, and we kind of chased our tails. And uh, you know, yeah. and I think they really started dying out then. That last you know two months of the season, I don't think there was very many people there, and I think it carried over for the next couple of years. So yeah. uh, we weren't able, or they weren't able, to capitalize on on you know the buzz around the city, especially that that first year and a half or so. Yeah. No doubt about it. All right, we'll get into uh, a little bit of your career in the game, but first, I want to touch on uh, the alumni game. Uh, how'd that go for you? How'd you? What'd you think of that? That was a blast. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, to be able to play. Uh, it's been a few years since I played, but to be mm-hmm. able to get out there and, and uh, don a Minnesota North Star jersey, uh, even though it was the Wild alumni, the North Stars are here forever, and, and the hype that was surrounding mm-hmm. uh, just the the North Stars kind of coming back to, to to Minnesota and just being part of that. Uh, in an outdoor venue with 40,000 people there it was uh, something I'll never forget. I mean, it, uh, it was a real unique experience. And, and to see those guys, um, you know, I grew up watching a lot of the old North Stars and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Broughtons and the Bobby Smiths and the Hartsburgs and the Donnie Beauprays. And, uh, you know, you had Medano in there and you had, uh, you know, just to be able to be on the same ice with them was really, really cool. Yeah, I was. Uh, I love watching these games. I I tried to set my DVR to record it, and I uh, and I missed it. I don't know what happened. I didn't get it, um, so I didn't get to watch the game. I saw the jerseys. I saw the photos. I talked to Don Beaupre about it too. Um, but hey, you you were probably one of the better guys. It wasn't that long ago you were playing, so um, you're probably one of the better guys. Uh, I don't know about that. Oh come on! Uh, you know, just maybe the younger <laughs> one of the younger guys. Um, no, it's fun. I think you, you don't know really what to expect to it, and you don't want to. You want to make sure you go in there. Um, and respect the game and respect the guys you play with. I don't mm-hmm. know if you really want to get in there and, and <laughs> all gung-ho and, and try to embarrass anybody. But, right. uh, you know, once you start sweating, you know, uh, it becomes a hockey game and everybody kind of, you know, tries to do their best a little bit out there. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you got to be wary who you're playing. You know, it's a big age difference between different, uh, yeah. you know, uh, all the different age groups. And you got to respect the game first and foremost and respect the guys that played ahead of you, uh, the generations ahead of you, and uh, try to do that with, with competing a little bit. So, no, it was a blast. I, you know, I think uh, for me, probably the highlight of the weekend was um, Friday. We had a little bit of an informal practice uh, okay. with um, 
all the old North Star guys, some guys are getting their gear and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. um, just to be on the ice with them Friday and then, then after, just be in the locker room with them after and, and uh, you know, shooting the breeze and, and there's no media, there's nobody around. It's just those guys and hear their old stories and um, just be part of that group. And and, is, uh, and and there's some wild guys that we had our old stories too. So right. that was the best part of the weekend. You know, you just had that quiet time maybe an hour after, after you skate and there's nothing better than uh, – sitting in a locker room, yeah. uh, taking your gear off with a bunch of guys talking hockey. So um, for me, that was a highlight of the whole weekend, and uh, it was the, the superb event and capped off with a, with a big win on the Wild with the Wild on, on yeah. Uh, Sunday afternoon. Yeah, blowing out, blowing out the Blackhawks. Yeah, um, good job on that. Um, uh, Gilles Melanche was there. Jeez, that's, yeah. that was cool. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah, really, Unreal. right? Um, uh, who was the guy on either team? That still um, still had it surprised you. Like who was a guy that you were like, wow, this guy can still play? Was there anybody? Well, I think there's a lot of guys. I mean, I, I think uh, you know, just I, even watching Dennis Savard kind of tool around the ice, and he still got he's it. He still got know? it. I mean, right? yeah, obviously, yeah. we all go at different speeds, mm-hmm. and we're not quite what we used to be. Yeah. Um, I mean, Chilios can play forever. Just to, you know, he mm-hmm. could probably still step in and play. Just just the way he carries, you know, just the way he carries himself in the game, and yeah. how he sees the game, and how he puts his body in certain positions. He's just always kind of a step ahead of it. Um, you know, even to see the smoothness of a Bobby Smith, even you know, I know you know the years have gone by. But just see how smooth he is up the ice, kind of yeah, yeah. uh, just that long swooping stride, and 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 uh, just to see him move uh, was pretty unique. And Donnie Beaupre stood on his head. Uh, yeah, I heard you know, that. I read he was, that. Uh, <laughs> he was awesome. And Jr. is still not that far removed, so he's obviously still got the wheels. Right. Same with Medano. Um, you know, those guys. You know, not really surprised how they they play because. Uh, they're just kind of fresh out of it. So. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I watched an alumni a little while ago, and like Russ Courtney, who who flew back in the day, right? Um, he's yeah. still really fast. So like like yourself, <laughs> like you were never a speed demon. Let's uh, let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, but like Russ Courtney, it looked like he could still fly. You just never lose it, I guess. No, and they're so smooth. Right, those guys that can fly, they're just so smooth when they skated. Uh, it's like Mike Medano. I mean, they their, their glide is just uh, yeah. phenomenal. I mean, he takes a couple strides and he's gliding as fast as guys are uh, trying to skate. So those guys are blessed with that ability, that's for sure. No doubt. Um, you're an assistant coach with the Minnesota Wild this year. You guys are fighting for a wild card. Uh, I just checked the standings, and uh, you guys are tied with Colorado right now. The the that's the good news, and, and the good news is that you guys have broken free of the Canucks a little bit. It's, it looks like it's going to come down to the wire for that wild card, but you're not battling like four or five teams. Um, you yourself, though, and as assistant coach, you, for a couple of years you were a hockey operations advisor with uh, uh, Chuck Fletcher up top after you retired. Of course, you played for the Wild for many years, and now you're down uh, assistant coach. It, was it a, a decision by yourself to get more back into the action? Were you missing some of that, and, or did you just feel the management side wasn't for you and you want to get into this world of coaching? Uh, I think there's a little bit of a little bit of both. I was kind of asked to, to uh, you know, I obviously started the first year. I was kind of just upstairs with with Chuck and mm-hmm. um, more work in the hockey operations, more in the office kind of thing, and uh, traveling with the team a little bit and getting a, a good feel of everything that's going on in the organization. And uh, actually, Mike Yo had asked me the the following year if I'd maybe. Um, you know, moonlight a little bit as a as a, a power play consultant kind of coach, and mm-hmm. um, kind of did that a little bit early in the year, and then just didn't feel right. I think if you're going to do it, you have to do it. So I kind of jumped in, um, of course, with, uh, with with Chuck being okay with everything and, and right. helping Mike out. Um, you know, it kind of more in the guts of of, uh, of the game down down on the trenches there. Um, so I, you know, and I think coming in. Even when I was upstairs, I think I came in with eyes wide open and wanted to see every part of the, every part of uh, mm-hmm. the whole operation. Um, wasn't thinking I'd be thinking coaching right away. I kind of, right. it kind of was sprung on me and and uh, kind of agreed to help out and then kind of got stuck in, in doing it. And um, <laughs> you know, so yeah, right. it, uh, I've enjoyed it. It, uh, but yeah, it was nothing that I didn't like the upstairs. I enjoyed the upstairs. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that part of the business. I mean, everything. I mean, hockey's such a great game that yeah. If you're in it, there's not one part that probably really isn't enjoyable. So yeah. just being around and 
I enjoy the trenches. I enjoy the camaraderie. I enjoy, uh, uh, you know, you got teammates and, and meaning, you know, as coaches and as players, mm-hmm. we're, we're all in it for the ultimate goal and uh, striving for it. And I enjoyed the other side of upstairs of, of uh, the scouting and the and, and you know all those kind of things and being parts of just different contract yeah. talks and how things work and uh, the draft and all those kind of things. So real uh, real great experience for me. I'm not sure which way I'll continue going, but uh, yeah. it's day by day. Yeah, you talk to like a Ferraro who's doing the broadcasting. There's a lot of media former players in the media, or if you're in the management side of things. It's you're a little more detached. The roller coaster of the wins and losses, uh, the highs of the wins and the great comebacks and being around the guys um, are, are awesome on the bench and being a coaching staff. But then there's the lows and, and you experience with Mike Yo uh, getting let go. Like it's almost like do you want do you want to not sleep at night or do you or or and be very very happy then get into coaching if you want a more uh, sort of normal existence get into the media or maybe management right. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a little bit of that. I remember talking to Ray um, Ferraro when he, uh, you know, first stepped out of the game and he was doing TV, and and uh, I remember asking him when we'd talk when I'd see him, mm-hmm. and he just said, "Ah, oh, I just miss it. You know, I miss. I think I might want to go into coaching." Oh, I really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was early on, right, you know. Right. And I think as a as a player, uh, it's been the hardest thing I've ever had to do is is, is um, stop playing. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, yeah. I mean, you just don't. <laughs> you don't want to. I mean, you've done right. it. You're, you've done it your whole <laughs> life. It's almost like you're. Yeah. You know, your your existence is over and you're done, sort of thing. And you know, it's almost like we have two lives, and that one was, um, mm-hmm. you know, we had a funeral for that one. Now you have another one, and you kind of get lost, and you're not sure what you wanted. And um, that's why I really believe that I had to give myself a few years just to get out of the fog of playing yeah. before I decide, you know, decisions, long-term decisions, or where I'm at, and kind of see everything and see. Hopefully, I'm not sure it's any clearer, but <laughs> I've seen different <laughs> things. But I remember back to Ray. I remember talking to him right at the start, and mm-hmm. um, he goes, you know, I really miss the rush of the game you know yeah. I, I think i want to coach i think i want to be part of something i just don't know if i want to be on the outside looking in and, and where nothing really means a whole lot and yep. um you know in the years go by and a couple years later i remember asking him um you know do you still miss it he goes oh god no <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean well, he goes i love my job i love not having to take everything home with me and um you know you just, you just do your work and you're part of a, the game that you love but you mm-hmm. don't have to have sleepless nights or uh, the rushes at the highs and lows of unfortunately uh, the hockey life. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be tough, you know. Especially like for yourself, like you guys are on, you're in a wild card spot right now. Um, you could easily be out of it and out of the playoffs, and you know you have that feeling of 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 um, you know failure, let's say. And but yet we've seen uh, numerous wild card teams get on a roll in the playoffs. You've been on teams like that with the Wild. Anything can happen. Like getting into the dance is just so important. And and you're just day to day. Like who did what? Who won? It's got to be a, a thrilling existence. But then again, it could all end. You know. So, man, yeah, tough deal. Yeah, and we've been through this, you know, um, with this group the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I think last year, uh, you know, we were hovering around 500 probably the end of January and kind of made a goalie change and uh, yeah. kind of got on a run. And, and, you know, everybody was kind of writing us off then. And uh, the year before, a very similar kind of little rut in January. We had injuries to two of our best players, and uh, we were able to rally. Uh, we've done a year in and year out. Um, and this year we kind of fell in the same hard time through January and, and mm-hmm. had a hard trouble getting out. Now we're kind of getting out. We're starting to see the daylight, and you just hope, um, you know, mm-hmm. we climb a step or two. Now we just got to start sprinting up the stairs because there's only uh, X amount of games, and we all know just to get in is the biggest part of the whole dance, and once you're in, you never know. Uh, this group knows that. They've been through it. Um, you know, we played, a, I think, a one-seed or two-seed in Colorado a few years ago and mm-hmm. knocked them off and almost knocked off Chicago. Um, so they yeah. so they know that to get in anything can happen. Uh, Mike Yo was uh, let go a little while ago. John Torchetta, did I say that right? Torchetti, 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 yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. long time uh, NHL assistant. And he's, he's been a head guy a couple times. Uh, stepped in. You guys have played better. Um, it's unfortunate that Mike like has to lose a job for the team to I want to say start playing better. What's been what's been the mood? What's been the reason why you think this coaching switch has worked? Well, a lot of times, you know, we've seen in every sport and yeah. a new voice, and um, you know, Mike's voice obviously wasn't heard as well as it used to be heard, and, and a new guy comes in and he brings in a different different uh, message and, and different energy level, um, 
and either they jump on it, and a lot of times they do, and yep. um, sometimes it's short-term, sometimes it's long-term, and we're kind of still in that moment to see. But um, I guess they just wanted to hear a new voice and a yeah. new energy level coming in, and uh, they've played better. And, and, again, we're starting to see the sunlight here. We're starting, I feel, we're starting to find our game a little bit. You know, we lost it for so long. I mean, I think at the end of the summer we might have been um, – you know, yeah. third in the conference, fifth or sixth in the league, um, and then we 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 free falled there. So there's capabilities. This team's better than mm-hmm. just where we are right now. Uh, it just we just lost our way a little bit, and and you know a lot of different things went into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless of, of the past, we just kind of we're starting to build our game here a little bit. Now we just got to continue to build that all the way through the end of the year. Have you, as a player, and you played for a long time? Um, I'm sure there's some been some coaches replaced in your tenure as a player. Um, did you ever go on a team that was on that a new voice came in, a new guy came in, and nothing really changed that much, but the voice changed and you guys got on a roll? Was there a, a team um, experience as a player that that you had that? No, not, I, I mean I, I wasn't never on a team that uh, fired a coach um, during the season. Oh, so, really? Okay, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been on been parts of teams that there's a new voice coming in the following year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, of course, the following year brings in a whole new, except everybody starts at zero. So I think it's a different vibe than coming in midseason. So this is the first time I had to deal with it and see it also, right. um, you know, to really capture it. So I, it, to, to, to bring past experiences in it, uh, I'm not sure I have any. Yeah, it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, like Mike was a good coach, you know, he had a lot of success there. And it's just one of those things where, yeah, new guy, new voice, whatever, um, you know the players have responded, so it's uh, it's something that happens in all sports, like you said. You exactly touched on it. Um, as far as a uh, being a player, do you think you're you? Ha- I'm probably too. La- I should have looked this up. I was too lazy. You got to be the most <laughs> successful seventh round draft pick to ever play in the league. Yeah, I'm not even sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not. Yeah, I, you right. know what I think. I think I've seen a st- – I think maybe Datsuk might have been or Zetterberg. Was he a seventh? Seven, seven, okay. They got me. Okay, <laughs> right. Yeah, but that's almost different because they're, they're you know, they were maybe out of sight in Europe. So, um, But still, a terrific career and one you got to be really proud of. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to, you know, um, you know, really look at yourself and, and, and say I'm proud of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, what I really enjoyed was the process. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed that – you know, I did a bunch of different things in my career. I played in the, you know, the American League and the minors. I played, uh, you know, had to make my way up every step of the yeah. way. Um, nothing was ever given, and you had to earn it. And, and uh, I'm proud of that, um, you know, because it's so easy to sway the other way. And uh, that would be the one thing that I'm proud of, that, mm-hmm. proud of, that I hung in there and, and I, you know, didn't let everything else bother me. And I was able to keep striving forward to get better and better and better. And that was my MO my whole career, that – you know, every off season, every you know after practice, that I there's something I'm going to get a little better at. I'm going to expand my game a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and that takes a lot of work, and that takes a lot of uh, discipline in, in what you're doing. So, um, to look back at the games played and the numbers and all that stuff, I, it, I'm sure I haven't really gotten to the point. And you know, I yeah. guess again, you, you still think you're playing, you're still in the fog a little <laughs> bit. I don't yeah. sure I see my whole clear, my whole career clearly um, as of yet. Um, but I'm sure I will at some point. But for me, it was just being able to to uh, always fight that adversity, always believe in in, in my abilities, always improve, uh, always prove myself, and having to prove myself. Mm-hmm. And those are things that uh, you know that I find uh, that I'm very proud that I was able to do that. One thing I was looking at, like, so you played junior in Ontario at Owen Sound, and like you had 62 goals in 66 games. You had 51 goals in 66 games. So, and, and in the NHL, you were a 20-goal guy. So you were a scorer, uh, you know, not elite scorer, but a good scorer in the league. You could obviously, with those junior numbers, put the puck in the net. So why the seventh round, Andrew? What happened? <laughs> what? Well, <laughs> well, I think it's just skating. Okay. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, since I was probably 11, 12 years old, I think, uh, you know, I remember a coach that coached me on the way up, uh, pulled me aside one you know, one day and just said, Hey, listen, you're going to get knocked your whole career. You know, I'm already hearing it now. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, 11, 12 years old. You're going to hear it. Uh, and he kind wow. of said, don't listen to them. You <laughs> know, don't listen to them. Believe in your abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, your skiing will get better and, and you got the, the mind to play the game. So you'll be fine, but don't let anybody deter you, you know, deter yeah. you from yeah. being what you can be. So you're 12 years old and you're going, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> 12. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're like, I just want to <laughs> go play with my toys. Goals. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just scored four goals today. What do you see? What's he talking about? You know, right. be like, a, you know, be like that, uh, 
Bull Durham speech, you know, when, when uh, Crash Davis goes under the mound and Newt Lelouch and tries to tell him something, and, oh. and Newt says, what is he talking? Yeah, I'm yeah. the one that's a Porsche, you know? Right, what right. does he yeah. know about the game? Exactly. Yeah, I've got the Porsche. <laughs> so I was that little kid, and, and uh, sure enough, there was a knock all the way up. It was a knock uh, right. you know, as a, a Pee Wee, as a Batum, as a Midget, as a you know an OHL player, as an American League player, as an NHL player. And yep. I kind of came in as a bad skater um, in people's eyes, and, and the reason I left was, uh, you know, can't keep up to the game anymore. Yeah, so, no. Um, you, you, you broke in with it and you left with it. I heard the same thing about you just as a fan. Yeah, he can't skate. Can he skate anymore? I question his skating. One of these guys on TV or whatever, you know. But but it, but like it was skating or not, sixty-two goals in sixty-six games. I mean, uh, you know. So it's one of those things. I guess that's. But you and the management side when you were up there. You, I guess you can understand, right, where a guy would get that from, um, where you know where where you get tagged with that, and you're looking at him and you're like, I don't like the way he skates. I know he gets numbers. It's maybe overanalyzing things, right? Yeah, you know, you know, you think uh, you hope you don't do it, mm-hmm. um, but everybody else is doing. It. Everybody, you know, it just ha- that's just the way the game is. Right, I think. right. Uh, and, and the part of the game I don't completely agree with, and, and I think I see the game a little bit differently, but we always seem to look for, for the negative part of a guy's game instead of just respecting and, and, admire, and, and yeah. admiring the good part of his game. And hopefully you can work on the other part, but I think we all get caught at he can't do this, he can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. Well, how about, yeah, he can do this, this, and this. Right. Yeah, he, and let's build on the pause. Everybody wants to look to, or he's too small, or he's too slow, or he's... Uh, he's not physical enough, or he's shot, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, and I think you got to put a value system on everything. Yeah. You know, I think each, I'm sure each scout, and I know when I was upstairs, you had your own ideas of, of what you thought a player would do. But I always try to find the positive of what they did. Um, you see the negatives. You know, everybody sees the negatives. But I think the positives is what you should, should really lean on. Is it is his positives that strong that he can take it to another level or he can grow from that? And the negatives are you're always going to be there. And you try to maybe smooth around the edges. But I, I think if you have hockey sense and you have a mm-hmm. will to compete and, and, a, and a drive to get better, a lot of your negatives you can kind of at least right. uh, hide a little bit or, or, or dull them a little bit so they're not as bright as, as – uh, is their uh, strengths right? I imagine at some point, uh, many years, many summers, you took some power skating lessons. Like, did you feel like your skating got a lot better from taking lessons, or maybe you didn't take lessons? I'm just assuming that. No, I did. Yeah, yeah. I did. I did put a lot of different work in, and, and a lot of you know, I did a lot of different uh, you know, some agility and some fast twitch stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of running, anything athletic that can kind of maybe parlay a little bit to what you do on the ice, along with your power skating, along with your. Uh, you know, I do a lot of the early morning kind of skating things that, uh, you know, you try to at least, I was never going to be a great skater, yeah. um, but I think if you can improve a little bit, I felt I improved um, all the way to my mid-30s. I, I still okay. felt like every yeah, summer yeah. I think something I got a little bit better at, right. uh, whether it's your first few steps or if it's uh, your turning or, or, you know, some of your edge work, you get a little bit better. So I, I believed, I could be wrong, maybe that's just self. <laughs> yeah, right. I was <laughs> that's just my own mind, but right. uh, I believe you always, you know, I always got a little better. Um, and didn't you t- tear an ACL at some point too, I remember? Or, or am I thinking, am I got that wrong? Yeah. Or did yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Where people were like, yeah. oh, man, he's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. You know, I remember media types saying that as far as, uh, you know, he's already wasn't a quick skater, things like that. So, um, yeah, you know. Yeah, I played. A, I think I well, I played a year on a uh, my ACL and kind of just kept going through the year. Yeah, uh, with it, and uh, yeah, I think my brain managed the game. Right. And right. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't think did I slow down. I mean, I don't think you can slow down much more than I already was. So <laughs> I don't think the knee injury slowed me down yeah. much, but I think the the, the brain allowed me to survive. Uh, yeah, and talking about a player too, like I'm again, I'm just a guy on the couch watching the game, but I follow the Leafs. I like the Leafs, and uh, um, Tyler Bozak is a guy that consistently from the analysts gets knocked. And I understand, like he got a lot of points playing with Phil and all that, but he, I, he's he doesn't he's not a good skater. He's not physical. He's not a number one center. And I get all that, but then all Tyler kind of does is is. Uh, kill penalties, put up points. Even this year, before he got hurt, he was doing pretty well. And I'm always hearing from these guys like he can't, he he needs to be traded. He, he's he's no good. And I'm always like, but guys, he kind of does work out. Like he's a good player. I, he just, but he has this stigma that uh, playing in Toronto, whether it's that or whatever, that he's just no good. And I'm always like, but he shows it all the time. And and uh, until he got hurt, Babcock liked him. You know, I think it's one of those guys where you just he's got a knock on him, and that's it. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, expectations. I think you're in Toronto um, in the mecca of hockey kind of thing where everything's kind of blowed on a proportion um, where the, his expectations were probably way higher than probably what he's capable of, of doing. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a quiet player. I think he does a lot of good little things that uh, unless you really – pay attention to the game, you'll you'll really notice. Is he a, a true number one? No, probably not. Right. But doesn't mean he's not a, a real smart player that can help other people. The thing what he does, I find, um, you know, I like him as a player, um, is that he makes other guys around him better. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something he always, and he, he's quiet about how he does it, you know. Yep. Um, so you have to really pay attention to, to understand what that meant. Um, but he does a lot of little things that uh, that are really smart that you could tell he's got some really good hockey sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think in, in the media circus and, and everything in, the, in that area and that in the mecca, um, he's maybe for some reason expectations outgrew who he really was. Mm-hmm. He probably is what he is, um, and he should be appreciated for that. Yeah, yeah, he's a smart player. You're right. Well, I'm not in Toronto. I'm living in Vegas, but I, I listen to too much Toronto radio and too much Toronto <laughs> podcast. But. Um, Hopefully the team comes here, by the way, I'm hoping. Um, the uh, When you broke in with Schoenfeld, Jim Schoenfeld was the coach of the Capitals, drafted seventh overall, like we said, in 93. You broke in with Schoenfeld, played parts of three seasons there. Was it, again, one of those guys, Schoenfeld and Ron Wilson in your last year? Um, they couldn't see you for what you were. Like, you got, uh, you know, 23 games in, 28 games, 11 games, but you couldn't stick. Was, was, the, was again, the skating one of the reasons why? Yeah, I think there's a few things. I think in, in the Wash um, organization at that time, and this is going back to the older CBA where, where teams had your rights to uh, 31 and mm-hmm. I, the arbitration wasn't to 27 or 28, you're kind of in that system. And, and Washington really liked keeping their players, you know, they really wanted them to earn it. Mm-hmm. Um, they kept them in the minors for, for a long period of time. It's totally different from today's game in that in that aspect. Um and they were an older team, and, yeah. and Shoney liked his older players. He trusted his older players, um, and they were felt they were close to winning a cup. So it was real hard for a young kid to break in then. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure, skating for sure play a part of it. Um, and I think I think also they really only had, um, you know, there might be an opportunity on the fourth line, and I'm sure. After a little while, you know, maybe I'd get second power play or something like that. But to, to carry, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a score on the fourth line where they probably wanted identity as a fourth line probably made it a little bit tough on them. So to break in the top six was, you know, even top nine was, mm-hmm. was a tough, tough job. And then um, when Ron Wilson came in, I had a little bit better, you know, an opportunity for, for I think I had almost a point of game um, in the games I played up that year. Yeah. Uh, you know, I kind of snuck up in the top six, played a little bit, and then they – Kind of made a trade for Brian Bellows, or he brought him back from Europe at about the deadline or before the deadline, and then uh, that was kind of the position I was in. He kind of took over my job, and, and uh, that was it for that year. And um, and then change was on the horizon the next year at the expansion. I don't even remember Brian Bellows coming back for Capitals yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah. Um. yeah, he did for the, the year they lost in the finals. We lost to Detroit in, uh, yep. in four games. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Pulp Hockey Podcast Show. Having a good time doing it, and uh, thanks to our guys for coming on board over at Righty Board. Righty Board's Power Play Whiteboard is hockey's first restickable portable hockey whiteboard that goes wherever you go. Whether it's needed at one end of the rink or one end of the country, the Power Play board sticks to any surface your team needs it. Vivid graphics and a white background on the front, removable, long-lasting air-free adhesive on the back. Visualization is now your ultimate weapon. It's the most versatile, practical, and simple-to-use whiteboard in the world. Every rink, every team, every coach needs to get a few of these Power Play whiteboards and check them out. Use code PULP at writeyboards.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y, boards.com, to get 15% off your Power Play board. All right, back to the show. Yeah, because if you look at your AHL numbers with Portland, uh, they were good. You were scoring. And, and again, like you said, 23 points in 28 games with the Capitals, uh, with Ron, with Wilson as a coach. So, again, like, go ahead and knock you for skating and knock you for round seven. But here you are. You're putting up numbers, um, you know, in the, in the AHL or, or whenever you get called up, whenever you get a chance. Um, it's one of those things, too, like coaches sometimes and fans, and they call up, guys or they put kids in a bottom six position uh, a checking role or you know barely any minutes on the fourth line and then everybody screams well you can't you know this guy's not putting up the numbers well they're not getting any chances like you have to almost if you're going to bring up an Andrew Brunette who's scoring in the in the AHL or if you're going to bring up uh, a kid put them in top six minutes right give them the chance to do what they do well 
Well, I think there's a two-side, and, and, and my experience of going up there and, and managing the game on the fourth line was uh, you know, something that was real important mm-hmm. for, for me the rest of my career. So I think there is a time that you do that because um, I think it's valuable. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it forces you to maybe earn that, that ice time or earn that top six role. Um, but then there's a time after you do it for a while that you, you probably need a chance or the organization has to give you a chance to see if um, – can you handle that yeah, role? Can, can you do it? If right. he played yeah. with offensive guys, can he play? But I, I think I wouldn't trade that fourth line uh, role in for anything that I that mm-hmm. I had to play for a little bit. And uh, it really taught me how to manage the game, how to play with other players, and how to earn your ice time. And how to earn your ice time is by not making mistakes or by playing a certain way or mm-hmm. making sure, you know, doing all the little things in that role to, to earn stuff. So I wouldn't trade it. But I think, again, to find out what a offensive guy, he probably has to play with offensive guys. And, uh, that see the game a similar way, and you got to give them a chance at, at a certain point. Yeah. And uh, for every organization, so it's trying to figure out when that time is. And I guess you, as an assistant coach now with the Wild, there's probably some kids or guys that come to you, and you know, because the assistant coaches oftentimes are the are the ones that the players can pull aside and ask, you know, what to do. I guess you've probably given that advice to some guys. Hey, just make the most out of your minutes, right? Make do what you can. Exactly. Yeah, and it's harder now because I think. Uh, we're such a young league now, right? And you know, all the younger players that come in are expecting to play on the, you know, on the second line. They, they played there their whole life, so all your top prospects are kind of, you know, playing the NHL now. Or in my era, they would have been in the minors for two or three years and yep. you know, earning their stripes a little bit. Now they're thrown into the fire, um, and a lot of them have a hard time ad- adjusting. You know, they haven't had to go through. Um, Playing nine minutes a night and no power play time, and, they're, and then they're then they're going. Well, I got to score. I got to score. I got to score. Right. And then they kind of change their game. Then they lose their confidence, and then you know they're chasing their tails, and they're not sure why. Um, so I mean, that, a little bit of the managing, and, and again with the mm-hmm. with the different era, different generation, they haven't had enough time to build their game uh, to be rock solid internally. So when you go mm-hmm. through these kind of things. Uh, you're not losing your your brain, your yourself. You're not changing your game. You you just learn to deal with it, and you know if you put your work in the right work, you'll get an opportunity um, without completely uh, overthinking or losing your confidence and, and being rock solid. That you you can keep your self confidence level, and you'll get your chance. So uh, a lot of that's just kind of managing those, and it's hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, they're young kids that have been super, you know, first second rounders, and they've been hyped up and they spend right. not enough time in the minors and then we get them and a little bump in the road and, and they lose themselves. So, uh, uh, are you talking about Jonathan Duran being exactly or no? I'm kidding. Well, I'm I mean, that, yeah, for yeah. Sure. But that's it, right. Play that. yeah. 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 I mean, there's, and there's a lot of them. I mean, we have some on our team. I think every team, again, yeah, yeah. the way we are right now in hockey, I mean, you're going to see that. So uh, they're everywhere. But you just, you know, yeah. you, you try to help them through these times. Yeah, it's crazy you talk about the game. Look at all the PTOs to older players. Look at the kind of the dud that July 1 was with older guys. You're right. Like, the league is just, you know, hey, you're an older guy. You've got some solid numbers. We'll give you a PTO. Come and try. We'll give you an invite to camp. It's nuts. I know. It is crazy. And, you know, I mean, it's, they're not even, you know, they're, we're talking, there's guys' careers that ended, you know, mid to late 20s now. Yeah, you know? yeah, I think that. Yeah. You know, there's all kinds of, you know, they're just the, the older players weeded out and it's all the younger players that are going to get their opportunity and um, they have to cash in. And a lot of them aren't ready to ready for their opportunity right. without enough time in the minors. And then they're out of the game before they have a chance to really figure it all out. So it's a little scary time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it uh, again, to, to put your dues in the, in, in the minors and all those things only helps you out. And it's hard. It's hard for anybody to accept that, but that's, in my opinion, kind of reality of, of if you're able to go through a few years there and come in, you'll be you'll you'll be rock solid in, in kind of what I was saying a little bit earlier yeah. internally. Right, right. Uh, you get selected by Nashville in the expansion draft, and now you get a chance to play a full season, 77 games, 31 points, and then you get traded to the Thrashers, which, like you said, was the first year in existence. Can you compare? Like Nashville's uh, still in the league, still doing strong. Um, you know, they've had a good team for a number of years. Can you compare playing in Nashville to compa- compare playing in Atlanta? Like, was there, did you notice more support in Nashville as far as being a Southern uh, NHL market? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, good question. Uh, I think they were both, again, the first year there was hype around. I mean, Nashville yep. probably had more hype. Uh, you had the country music. Uh, sure. 
stars that kind of backed the, the team right away. So it mm-hmm. brought the little spotlight to the team in, in the city of Nashville and probably throughout the league. Uh, we were sold out. The building was loud. Everybody's excited for hockey. It was a real neat experience. And I only played one year. I didn't see, you know, the years after that where yeah. they made a loss themselves a little bit. And, um, but, they, I mean, they had a great coach. The culture there with, with mm-hmm. what um, Mr. Poyle had all the, uh, yep. coming from Washington, it was very similar kind of structural you know, how they were built and, and how they were coached. And, uh, you know, they kind of kept that identity for mm-hmm. forever. And yep. uh, they were able to stabilize through tough years where maybe, you know, they weren't, they didn't have the, the biggest financial po- uh, pockets to, to put the best team ahead of them, but they were able to stay competitive in a, a real competitive league. Um, so I didn't, I know they had a couple of years that weren't quite as crazy, but it didn't right. fall off like Atlanta fell off yeah, real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you get, uh, you go from Nashville where you're, you know, you establish yourself. You go to the Thrashers and 14 games you guys win with Kurt Fraser behind the bench. This is you and Ferraro teaming up, uh, getting a lot of ice time, I guess, scoring some points. But, God, it's got to be – and I've talked to, like, Lori Boschman who played for the Senators when they were started. And I've talked to a number of players doing this show that, that started with expansion teams. And the losing gets to you. It's tough to go to the rink. I mean, you know, you and Ray put up decent numbers. You're minus 32, minus 33. Uh, you got 18 goalies playing for you that first year. <laughs> right? It's just, it's got to yeah. be depressing a little bit. Yeah, it is. I mean, um, you know, the second year was a little better over there because, yeah. again, we started off and, and we were in the playoff. You're all right, yeah. Anyway, but that first year was real tough. Yeah, the losing gets to you. Um, you know, we had ever rotating. You know, we weren't as bad. I don't think is is what, um, at least personnel wise, what our record was. I'm not right. saying we were a 500 team yeah, or anything. Yeah. We yeah. we had some goalie issues. We had a lot of injuries. We're calling kids up from <laughs> right. uh, all the different leagues, and um, you know, we just kind of uh, just yeah, it was a bad it was a bad year. It was a tough year, yeah. um, especially for some of the older guys like Ray. That later in his career, you know, uh, to, to have to go through a year like that's really tough and. Um, but you know, the, the other part of it is that, uh, you know, we actually, as hard as it was, had a lot of fun. Sometimes those, those are your best stories in hockey. Those things are able to kind of laugh at yourself. And, um, it's not that you're not competing. It's not that you don't care. It's any of those things. You just, yeah. it just brings, you got characters of the game that, you know, the Jeff Rogers and you yeah. know, you got all kinds of different guys that are, that are characters. So we had some fun times, but yeah, the losing, uh, really wears on you. Hey, what, what, Patrick Steffen uh, drafted first overall. Um, he never really made it as a player. What was your take on him? Was he a guy that was talented and didn't work hard? Or was it just one of those, if you look at that draft, it wasn't a great draft per se uh, of guys. What, what do you think happened to Patrick Steffen? Well, I think there's a little bit of, of, of maybe wasn't, uh, you know, you could say maybe not the best drive uh, draft. I know he had a little bit of some injury problems. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it was from lack of effort or lack okay. of work yeah, ethic. Yeah. Just, um, I just think he, he kind of, I think he had a couple of concussions and he kind of just stayed a little away from the traffic areas and, and, mm-hmm. and kind of never really got his game on, on track. And we weren't very good, so he, he had some matchups that probably he lost some of his confidence with where he's playing against top guys, especially on the road, where they can get their matchup. And I don't know if he lost some confidence um, and never really re- was able to regain it back throughout his career. Yeah, yeah, one of those things that was uh, weird to weird, weird to see. Uh, did one of these with Jeff Rogers, great guy. He was a mutual friend, and he gave me some of his time. And uh, Ray gave me a couple of stories. And what I got to ask you about is uh, backing into your car at the airport. Um, he told the story on the podcast. You snuck in behind him. He had this big truck, big trailer hitch, and you snuck in behind him. And he he thinks an Audi. He wasn't sure, and he just backed right into your truck. And and, and Ferraro said it was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I snuck behind him. That's his. Oh, that's, he, that's his, his story. Yeah, his. we were <laughs> we were kind of delayed at the airport uh, for a flight, and we all went and grabbed lunch around the corner, and we kind of got the the you know saying be back here in fifteen minutes or whatever. The, we're ready to go, so we kind of all might have been ten cars, kind of mm-hmm. you know race back to the. Right. The parking uh, or parking lot. So I was following them, and I had uh, yeah, it was a smaller. I think it was an Audi or something. It was like a, a rental or a lease car or something to that yeah. effect. And he had this huge F, like two fifty. Like he said, yeah, yeah. Who <laughs> yeah. knows? He was huge. <laughs> and he's uh, he's always complaining about it. He had a little bit of a bad neck, uh, so he had trouble turning uh, <laughs> one way or the other. So. 
uh, we were going and, and we we're kind of, it was kind of, we we're going in an S formation. We we're kind of zigzagging, looking for spots. And I was kind of behind him and he kind of went maybe about 20 yards ahead of me. And there was a spot right behind him that he might not have caught on right away. Mm-hmm. And neither did I. So I kind of turned the corner and there was like three or four cars behind me also. And he was probably 20 yards ahead of me. So I see he put on his reverse lights. So I'm like, okay, I don't know what he's doing here. <laughs> so I look to go to back up. And I look, and there's people behind me. We can't really back up. And then all of a sudden, Aji just kind of floors it going back. <laughs> <laughs> and he rides right up my hood. Yeah. And he had this big hitch, and he rips my my uh, my hood. My glass breaks. Airbag goes off. Uh, <laughs> and, and and they make it even worse. This is <laughs> he probably thought it was a speed bump because he kind of slid off yeah. slid back up front from my uh, from my hood, and then he floored it back. And he went further up. <laughs> <laughs> Until he finally realized my my windshield was destroyed and oh. the car was destroyed. <laughs> he he, he, made he it. like gets out of the car. He's like, huh? What? <laughs> he said it like that. It was obvious he was going for that spot. I should have pulled the audio clip. And you thought it'd be funny to sneak in behind him. That's what he said. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. He, he said it was clear that yeah. the spot was him, and he was backing into the spot. And you thought it'd be funny to come take it. And uh, uh, yeah. no, that's not what happened. And then, uh, and then, and then, Ferraro said he kept he was trying to sleep, and you kept saying he he ran into my car. Audrey just yeah. ran my car over. Yeah, well, we rushed to the right. plane. We're on the plane. We're yeah. just, I was just still in awe. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't believe he just ran over my car. <laughs> ran into your car. Oh, uh, he sounded like a, he sounded like a great teammate. He sounded like a great guy uh, to playing with him. Yeah, just, he's the best. Yeah, he's the best. When you talked to him, when I did the podcast with him, he almost sounded like he could not believe he made the NHL. He could not believe that he was in the NHL every single game. So, um, you're, uh, You signed with the Minnesota Wild. Uh, were, you, were you a UFA after the Thrashers, or was that? Yeah, I was a UFA. I had arbitration rights, and uh, oh. I, I think I had numbers that um, probably deserved a, a higher salary than they are willing to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they let me go. So I was a UFA. How cool was that, right? You're finally getting, uh, you know, getting sought after. Why'd you choose the Wild? Well, you know, I think um, I, I think I had a longing to to be in a hockey market. You know, yeah. I've been away one from one for a while, and we we actually played in Minnesota maybe in, right around Christmas uh, mm-hmm. that that year before. And um, I just remember flying into Minnesota, and uh, you know, you see all the outdoor rinks and snowing a little bit, and you know, you're talking a Monday night and, and uh, you know, right after Christmas. And uh, I think it was actually after the New Year, it was like January 2nd or 3rd. And, you know, it's usually a lull time in a, a season. And, and uh, we walk on the ice and the place is going crazy. Yeah, uh, really, huh? <laughs> and that was their, obviously their first year that year. So there was that hype, the North Stars left and all that kind of thing. But um, just to feel that excitement level and to be around, we had a day off in between, to be around the city in between and just feel the, the buzz. I was like, this is, you know, something I'd really kind of, you know, yeah. I think would really enjoy and just be a change. You know, I was kind of in the southern teams in Washington, Nashville, Atlanta, right. kind of thing, and and to get back into a little bit more, being a northern Ontario kid, to get back to you know uh, a northern climate and the hockey. You know, I always say Minnesota is like a great hockey town that doesn't have the media circus. You know, it's pretty. Yep. You know, it's not in your face every day. Um, so I just thought it'd be a really good fit. Um, I thought they could use you know a player of my skill level uh-huh. or the skills that I bring. Sorry, you know the power play, et cetera. Yeah. To, you know, I think they, it would be a good landing spot. And, um, you know, I know Jacques was coaching, and I figured uh, Lemaire, and I figured, you know, if I'm – I think I can expand myself as a player here a little bit on both sides of the puck. Kind of had a knock that I was just all strictly offensive player. So mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was a learning experience. So I think a lot of things were, went into it. Um, you know, there's some different offers on on the table at that point, but um, I just thought that one would have been a good fit and, um, you know, a fun fit to, to – be part of a franchise. You know, I didn't really want to leave Atlanta, to be honest. I, oh, okay. I enjoyed yeah. uh, my time. I had a great chemistry with, with Ray. Um, you know, I know they had uh, Cole, Chuck, and Heatley coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt we could have been a real good, uh, you know, combination, two-line combination there where, you know, and help breed and, and build something. I, I still thought I was part of the, the building blocks in, in, mm-hmm. um, in Atlanta and kind of got the carpet swept out underneath me a little bit. and right. uh, So I wanted to be part of something that I felt I had a big hand building, and, and uh, Minnesota kind of fit all those different needs. And uh, Jacques Lemaire, of course, legendary coach, legendary player, then coach. Um, all I've heard about is just how this guy just was brilliant as a coach. Did, did you find that? Did, and what, what made him brilliant? Well, I just think his understanding of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I think you little things like positioning and stick positioning and, and just stay here when this happens, you know, just all those little intricacies I think he was a genius at. Yep. Um, he's not an easy guy to play for right. uh, whatsoever. Um, you know, but he's not he's not he's not a mean guy, he's just not an easy guy to He's play not warm for. and fuzzy, he's not he's not cuddly. <laughs> No, no. But I mean, he's also he's going to open door. He's going to open ear. But he's going to he's the boss, and right. he does what he thinks is best. And yeah. Um, but yeah, he's probably or is probably the smartest hockey mind I've been around, and and uh, I learn a lot from him. Yeah, I've heard that about him. Um, from there, um, hey, every every kid, myself included, dreams of scoring an overtime game seven goal. And you did that for the while against the Avalanche. You put Patrick Waugh into retirement, Andrew. You, he just he just shuffled out after that. Um, what was that like? That would have been amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think not as much as the fact that who it was on or who it was against, but uh, with the group um, that we had, again, you know, feeding off the building blocks that you felt you were building something special. I thought, you know, um, to be able to do that um, with a bunch of guys that – you know, probably um, everybody thought overachieved. Um, you know, but but I I kind of disagree with that a little bit. I think I okay. think they're all better players than than other people thought. Mm-hmm. Um, they all went on. A lot of them went on to have pretty long careers too. Um, but be able to do that to come back three um, one. I mean, everything kind of connected. You know, Minnesota missed their, their North Stars, and and mm-hmm. uh, so they just jumped on this team of of hardworking guys that uh, that never gave up. And they they uh, they rallied behind us. So the whole city, uh, you just felt that buzz. And to be able to do that, um, the comeback three one against the you know the mighty Avalanche, right? We were huge underdogs. Nobody gave us a chance to even win a game, let alone the series. Right. Uh, and and to be able to have the moment in overtime and a game seven, I think we all dream of of, uh, oh. of of being able to do that, pull that off. And there's all kinds of circumstances that led to that. There's a lot of guys in that group that made big plays, huge plays that allowed. Uh, us to get there and allowed me to be able to score on uh, probably in my mind the greatest goalie of all time and, and a yeah. guy that I grew up watching and, and uh, you know thought he was the best so um, yeah they all kind of came together it was a real uh, you know that's probably the biggest moment of my career yeah it was a crazy I, I watched the game live I remember and it was like holy crap the wild like you said maybe some of us on the couch weren't understanding how you know kind of came together you guys were as a team but that was a, you know it was like wow <laughs> um, hey, then, but a couple after that, you uh, you end up back in Colorado and you play with Joe Sackick. Well, uh, that must have been amazing. That guy was, uh, I, I, it's, if it's possible for a hockey Hall of Famer and a guy who scored all those points to be underrated, Joe might be. Um, he's a phenomenal player, wasn't he? Yeah, he, I think he likes it that way too. You know? <laughs> I don't think he's yeah, uh, just somebody looking for attention ever. Right. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was the best time I had playing hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, been able to play on his line basically for three years and um, to be around and see how he conducts his business and, and what a pro and uh, what a person he is. I mean, he's a, if you can believe, he's a better person than a hockey player, and uh, he's a fantastic hockey player and, and definitely underrated. Um, probably the most. Um, Anytime a game, a little bit of the Derek Jeter of, of, of hockey, anytime there's a game on the line, every time there's, and being around and being playoffs and, and big games, anytime there's a play that, mean, that, that needed to be made, mm-hmm. he was always around it. He's the one that made it. I mean, he had that unique ability to, to rise up to certain occasions and make a play, make, you know, score a goal, uh, win a faceoff whenever yeah. it's needed, time and time again. Um, and to be able to play with a guy that I think, you know, I think I, Ray and I read off each other real well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the same thing with Joel. I think uh, we just kind of saw the game the same way. So we, it was, a, you know, it was a lot of fun to be able to. It always is, but it was a lot of fun to be able to play with a guy that, uh, you know, yeah. that you kind of just saw the game the same way and are able to get to areas that we believe that was the the scoring area. So we, uh, it was a, it was a great experience. And again, the way they played hockey and it was a Joel Quenneville team, and there was, uh, you know. You know, there's more freedom, and they're an offensive team. They had a lot of offensive players that played really complemented my game uh, in a little bit of a selfish way that, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of guys that, you know, you got the Hey Duke and the Tangy and Forsberg was there for a little bit, and even America's Factos appeared to on I mean, there's a lot of offensive yeah. guys. But yep. It was a fun brand of hockey to play. Yeah, really. And Joel, so Joel did kind of like the Blackhawks, huh? Just kind of like let you do what you do well, everybody. Like whatever you, yeah, yeah if you want to go score, we're going to let you give you some rope here to go score. Yeah, there, there was freedom to do things with the puck, um, but there was structure when you didn't have it. Uh, it's maybe the opposite of Jacques Lemaire. 
<laughs> let's say. Uh, I mean, Jock had his own. I mean, Jock for as hard as as, as people think he is, right? Um, with the puck, I don't, I don't think really think that way. Um, there were certain rules with the puck. Yeah, yeah. I think in the offensive <laughs> zone, there was there was uh, more freedom than you think. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I think yeah. there were certain structural things that he demanded. Yep. Um, that maybe deterred a little bit from the offense, but um, I think you there's certain guys. He always always had two guys in each line that had freedom to do things offensively, and he always wanted to make sure he had the other guy that was the safety valve at all times. So it restricted you a little bit, but there was freedom. So I, I don't. He kind of gets that knock. Um, he does, he, yeah, a little bit of us, just from us. Unfairly, there. yeah, yeah, and unfairly, right. but. Uh, but yeah, definitely there's not quite the freedom as, as Joel, but he definitely there was freedom in the offense. Right. Yeah, I know there's stories of him, you know, if you don't do this, you're benching and you know, and this is and, you know, do you only go this far deep into the offensive zone? The things that I've read or heard or whatever, you know. So Yeah. Um and then you end up back at the wild after the Avalanche and uh you're for another three years there. Um and I'm guess like you're coaching there now, like we just talked about. You're you're a fan of Minnesota. You're probably gonna are you gonna settle there, you think? Everybody you know, like is that something where you can see yourself just living out the uh the rest of your uh the rest of your years? Uh, I don't you never know. Okay. You know, I mean I really enjoy it here. Yep. Um you know, I think uh the game is always changing and depends how long I wanna stay in the game or mm-hmm. which which capacity I wanna stay in the game. So, you know change is imminent anywhere you are. Um so we'll just kinda of play it by here. Uh, but I love this. I love uh, living here in the cities. It uh, again, yeah. it, it takes me back to, you know, it's like a little northern town, but it's a metropolis. So it yeah. Uh, yeah. always has a feel of, of being in northern Ontario. So I, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm born and raised in Winnipeg, so I've uh, spent a lot of time in Minneapolis over the years, and uh, it is. It's like a small, big city. It really is kind of that way. It's got everything you possibly need, and then uh, still got a small town feel to it. And if you want to go out in the country, it's not far. To go out exactly you know, out there. So you got. Uh, so you must be fired up for the uh, Winnipeg the alumni game next year. Oh, that's going to be great! I can't wait. Yeah, and Gretzky says he's in, and uh, Howard yeah, Chuck obviously that, that's going to be great. That'd be great. I love watching the Jets in the old days. I love the huge Howard Chuck fan. So oh yeah, uh, yeah. No, I, I think one of the favorites of all time. I'm trying to get him for this show, but I've talked to Doug Smale. I've talked to Ray Newfeld, and uh, got some friends uh, that know Dale a little bit from back home. And uh, I'm trying to get him. I always feel like like Joe Sackick. He was a phenomenal player that maybe didn't get a lot of his due. You know, um, I mean, he was arguably the most underrated player in the '80s. You know, I yeah, think, yeah. Um, you know, Denny Savard got a little bit more. He was a little more flash, so there's always a little bit more hype. But I think Dale put up numbers that were outstanding, and, and the group of players that he did it with, uh, they're all good in their own right. Yep. But they were uh, what he did was he was like a little mini Gretzky there. Yeah. Never. Uh, and then fortunately, they're in that division. They couldn't get by. Either it was the Oilers or when the Flames got better in the late '80s. He was always kind of stuck. So, uh, yeah, he's. Uh, He's a great hockey player, and even when they got when they got a little bit better too, the Kings got Gretzky, and now they were better. You know, right? Exactly, um, it was never ending. It's kind of like it's a little bit like the Central Division with you guys. I mean, right now you have yeah. Chicago and St. Louis and, and and Nashville and yourselves, and and like good luck. Like you know, I got buddies again that are around the Jets every day. Uh, in you know, and they they they're up there and they're obviously following it. And they work. Some people I know work with the Jets and. You know, everyone in Winnipeg just throws their hands up like, "Oh God, you know, look what we got to do. Look who we got to get through. Look who we got to fight every, every, all the time." Dallas, right? I didn't even say Dallas. So yeah, yeah. And Colorado is always a threat. Yeah, it's it's a tough, tough yeah. division for sure. That's a good comparison. To the yeah. Old yeah, absolutely. Well, Andrew Burnett, thank you for uh, taking the time for the Pulp Hockey Podcast. I really appreciate it. Terrific career. Like I said, I'm gonna just crown you the best seventh rounder ever. Uh, when you when you look at your stats and the teams you did and the goals you scored, 1100 uh, over 1100 games, 733 points, um, and uh, an OT game seven winner at that. So uh, fantastic uh, career. Good luck with everything. Whether it's it, whether you want to be an assistant coach or whether you're gonna go back up to the management, whatever you do. Thank you for uh, for the time today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, thank you. Yep.